What's up, independent agents? Are you driving your clients off to the carrier self-servicing platforms after the sale just to minimize your service demand? Stop doing that with the premier mobile and web agency solution, Glovebox. Now you can keep your clients in front of your agency at all times, all while delivering the carrier self-service experience that will minimize your service costs and absolutely wow your customers. On top of that, Glovebox will help you increase your cross-sales, referrals, and overall retention with an easy-to-use policyholder interface. Trust me, guys, we're using this at Portal Insurance, and this is literally happening. We are selling policies and servicing policies through our app. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today, and be sure to mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your subscription for the life of your account. Guys, it's so cool that I can tell my clients, download the Portal app. Thanks, Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been back in studio after one year. Ladies and gentlemen, we have beaten the Hong Kong flu, and Scott is now able to travel to Mobile, Alabama in a torrential downpour for five hours to see his boyfriend and lover, <laughs> Mr. Bradley Flowers. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud and humbled to be here today. It's exciting to be back in studio. It is. Time. When was the last time we were in studio? Do you remember? Uh, Do you even remember? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but... it. Like January, it may maybe? have been 2019. I think it was too, because I don't think we were in studio after 2019. I will, I will find out by the time you get to our guest today. We went to uh, Keystone Conference in early February before 2020. Yeah, that was 2020. Came back, COVID hit, which I should have known since everybody on my airplane that was from Asia had on a mask, and I kept asking people, "Why are all these people got masks on?" All of us came back sick. You remember? Oh, I know. Yeah, you, like, you and Kim thought you were going to die. Yeah, I went to the I went to the doctor on like February the tenth, and and I went to urgent care. And I know the doctor there just from going there, and he's a very very personable guy. Be a great insurance salesman. And he walks in. You know, nurse does her thing, and he walks in and goes, "You went to Vegas and got that damn coronavirus." Ha 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 ha! Joking joke. around. Yeah. Thirty days later, his job completely changes. For the right. next year, right. you know, it's it's just crazy. Had the same thing happen to me two weeks after you and Kim got sick. I caught what you guys had, went to my urgent care clinic, and my nurse practitioner walks in and says, well, I guess you got corona. You've been drinking too many corona beers or something yeah. like that, like a little joke like that. You know, they were all jokey-joking in February. Mm-hmm. End of March, they weren't jokey-joking. Yeah. They weren't jokey-joking then, but boy, when this thing started, it was like every doctor had a little, you know, that little joke that they'd throw out at to you. Boy, I guess you probably got coronavirus. Right. Anyway, guys, we have a fantastic show for you today. I'm excited to be here today. Our mission on this podcast is to row this boat slowly to the lighthouse and move that ball one step forward to greatness. We have a fantastic guest on today that I'm excited and proud to be here he is a, a brother from another mother, grew up in the country the way I did, and all we know how to do is sell insurance, folks. But as I always tell my staff on about a every two-week basis, 
if you will just sell the shit out of insurance, everything else will take care of itself. It will. I, I promise. I promise it will. So without further ado, let me introduce him today. He was born and raised in Hartwell, Georgia. He lives in Perry, Georgia, and he has a beautiful wife, Ashley, and two beautiful babies, James and Kellyanne. He is a 2007 graduate of the University of Georgia, majoring in risk management and insurance. Go dogs! He started in the insurance industry and had 10 years of experience saying no to insurance agents as an underwriter. <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. But that is how he started. And then he moved in and also served in the capacity as a marketing rep and commercial insurance broker. He is also a certified insurance counselor and certified work comp advisor. He's a coach for Team Florida, Alabama. Line, excuse me, let me say that again. He is a coach for Team Florida, Alabama line in the upcoming insurance reality show, The Protege. He currently serves as an equity partner and vice president of HM Advisors in Warner Robins, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you First-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, six-foot-three sophomore, rivals five-star recruit, Mr. Josh Gurley. How are you, Josh? I'm doing good, fellas. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And believe it or not, the very first time I even knew who the Insurance Guys was was in Las Vegas at that same Keystone Conference. That's the very first time I heard the podcast. I appreciate you listening that day and not getting up and walking out. That was that was a, that was a great that was a great time though. We had a wonderful time meeting all you guys. The one thing I took away from that is I remember Christian. What's Chris, we need to still have him on the podcast. Delosier. Christian Delosier. Christian Delosier, if you're listening to this right now, I promise you, brother, 2020, you're coming. 2021, you're coming on this podcast. But Christian Delosier walked up to me and he goes, "You know what? What makes me more proud than anything is I've met you and I've watched you and Bradley walk. You know, talk to people, and y'all are the real deal. Y'all are what you are on the podcast." That means more to me than anything because a lot of people act one way on these podcasts and then you see them in person and they're totally – I think you might have even had an experience like that at the old uh, Keystone Conference with somebody, maybe, Bradley. <laughs> maybe. Um, that's but, a story for another day. Yeah, no I, I do have a date for you guys, and I'm shocked at this date. Okay. October Not the as 24th, shocked as I was last week. <laughs> October the 24th of 2019 was yeah. the last time we were in studio. October what? 24th of 2019. Wow, that is time. crazy. That has been a long I'm time. I'm looking here at the episodes. It's uh, the Martina Brugnoni episode, yeah. Billy Wagner, mm -hmm. Jack Wingate, Carson Seville, which seems like yeah. eons ago, right. as we would say in the South. Right. Hey, Josh, let's get in my DeLorean. Let's climb in. Let's get these two big old boys in my DeLorean, and let's go back in time, and I want to hear your story about leaving the University of Georgia after soaking up all that knowledge about insurance and going out into the big, bad world and getting started in, in the insurance business and just uh, bring us up to today. So, yeah, I'll start out maybe a little bit farther back than that because I, I just think it's a cool story. So I grew up in, in Hartwell, Georgia, and I grew up on a road called Lou Gurley Road. And Lou Gurley Road was named after my like great-great-aunt who could not read or write, so she had a road named after her, but she couldn't even read the sign. So we're, we're talking about like the, the middle of nowhere where I grew up. But being, being in such a small town, I mean, it had a, such a profound impact on me. I mean, I thought growing up that going to Shoney's on Friday night and eating shrimp was like, I mean, that might as well have been wow. the nicest restaurant 
I had ever heard of in my entire life. I mean, it's like, and then sometimes like on my grandma's birthday, my dad would like rent out the room and we, we would eat at Shoney's. And, and I, I mean, I thought I was, I thought I was a millionaire or something at that point. So really humble beginnings uh, in a small town, but it was awesome, man. I had a, I had a Honda 200 four tracks type two, and I rode that thing all over creation uh, as a 13, 14, 15 year old, spent the night in the woods. And uh, my dad had one of those 1996 Atlanta Olympic cell phones. And it was like a brick. I used to carry that thing around with me and, and check in. So childhood was pretty awesome, man. I ended up going to University of Georgia. Like you said, I graduated in 2007. From there, uh, I didn't really get into the insurance business right away. I was a part of a music group and uh, we traveled around all over the country. And I played literally, you know, a couple of thousand shows over what, that what time. Group was that? And so I played for a uh, Christian artist named Matt Papa. And we actually uh, played at the Shaco Springs uh, Center there in Alabama, in Talladega, Alabama, specifically, uh, more times than I can count. So, but yeah, so we traveled all around the country. Uh, I did that for three years. And then uh, kind of towards the end of that, uh, I ended up getting asked to play at this this random gig. And uh, one of the guys that invited me uh, ended up being one of my business partners today, Andrew Deering. And so, you know, I just think like pivotal circumstances in people's lives. They just it's just amazing how one little thing can change the whole trajectory of how, how your life goes. But so I go down there and I play and then and then there's a couple guys in the band. They're like, hey, do you have a girlfriend? I was like, no, I've been look, I've been traveling around. I'm not really interested in a girlfriend. And so I they were like, well, we think you need to go on a blind date with this girl. And they were like, her name's Ashley Thompson. You should go check this girl out. And I wasn't a huge social media user or anything like that, but they set me up on this blind date. And so I, I show up to her apartment complex and it was Abby West in Athens, Georgia. I, I punch in the little code and it calls her phone and she's supposed to answer the phone, press the button and let me in. Right. And I keep calling, I keep calling. She's not answering. She's not pressing the button. And I'm over there like freaking come on girl. Like, can you just, can you just let me in the gate? And then, so there's a couple of people behind me at this point, like 10 cars in a row. And, and finally somebody gets out of the car. They take pity on me. They let me in and uh, I'm sitting out there in front of her apartment. And then finally the phone rings. She's like, Hey, look, sorry. I was, I was at work and, and I just, you know, I got in late or whatever. She's like, I'm about to come down the stairs. And the next thing I know, there's like a little, little shoe coming down the stairs and there's like a leg and a knee and a thigh. And we got to the thigh and I was like, I was like, come on, baby, come on down the stairs. So she, she comes down the stairs and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was in a white V-neck uh, wearing some black blue jeans, a, a musician. And I thought, I was like, dude, you got to get it together. And it, it was like love at first sight for me. So I was like, man, I got to get myself together. Funny how those legs can come down those stairs and your Y changes real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So th then I started thinking about like, man, how much money to have my bank account? Here? Right. So she comes down the stairs and, and we, we hit it off and, and, you know, we, I had a rule that was like, I, I know after a year, like, Hey, are we going to get married or not? And if, if I ever had a girlfriend, it's like, look, we're going to get married after a year or break up. And so we got to a year and I was convinced after a day, but, but so my dad, he like helped me out to get it down or helped me out to buy the ring or whatever. Cause I was a broke musician. And, uh, 
bought a ring, asked her to marry me. And then Andrew comes back in the picture because I'm thinking like, I got this degree in risk management insurance. What am I going to do? And I end up going and working at, at an insurance agency with Andrew. And let's just say I wasn't mature enough to handle it at that point in time. But then I ended up leaving and going to work at the Wonder, at the Georgia Farm Bureau. And I worked there for about five months. And uh, my cousin uh, was a career agent there. And, and so I realized very early on that that just wasn't going to work for me being inside. But from my time at the agency, I knew one of the RVPs at the insurance company at one of the insurance companies. And um, I ended up calling him up and when they posted a job and just said, would you please consider me for this job? And I, I remember I drove up to Atlanta on a Saturday, interviewed. He offers me the job. I take the job and me and my wife are just sitting there in the living room and we're just like in tears because she knew how miserable I was. And so I, I decided that um, even early on into that job is, is a underwriter marketing rep that I was like, you know what? I want to try this again. I want, I want to be an insurance agent. And so for a couple of years, I just planned my comeback and, and it was just always in my heart. I knew that I could do it, but if I was going to do it, I needed to do it my way. I needed to do it different than other people were telling me to do it before the whole idea of like finding centers of influence and, waiting on the phone to ring and going and seeing those people and trying to get referrals or whatever. But that just wasn't working for me and mortgage bankers and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, 2015, uh, I came back into the agency business and I have not looked back since that day. It's been the best thing that I've ever done in my entire life from a career standpoint. Do you often hear about underwriters becoming agents? I don't know that uh, you may be the only one hey, that, I know. That I'm is, sure that happens. That is exactly what I was about to ask him. So very rarely, I don't think we've ever had anybody on this show that has been an insurance agent or a, an agency owner, an underwriter, and a marketing rep. And a musician. So... <laughs> Here's my uh, my thoughts and my perception. But Let me say There this. are a lot of marketing reps that when you meet them, the first thing they say is, I used to be an agent. <laughs> right. So here's my perception, Josh, and you tell me whether I'm right or wrong, okay? So job number one, favorite job, career path in insurance, I think you would say is a agency owner and insurance agent. Am I correct about that? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Job number two, career number two, uh, if we're going in order best to worst. Uh, number two, marketing rep. Now, my perception of marketing reps, and I'm not going to get into this, I've had some really good ones and I've had some really bad ones. My perception of marketing reps is, depending on the size of the carrier and what the expectations are, they can do as little as they want or they can do as much as they want to you know, get up in the morning and work every day to have the heart of a teacher and help their agency force out there to reach their goals. Or they can not answer phone calls, not answer emails, uh, send you an email once every four or five months. Am I correct on that or am I wrong? Oh, I would definitely say you're 100% correct. I mean, if you want to work for an insurance company and, and uh, you want the freedom to, to drive around and not be stuck in a building, I mean, it's... I tell everybody it's the best company job in insurance if if you do a good job if if you're good at it. And as a marketing rep too, 
what I've noticed with most, if not every marketing rep I've ever had at the end of the day, there's really not much they can do to help you. Some have tried to help me, but they are very quick to say, you know, I'll do what I can, but hands are tied because you got to remember they're representing big blue or big red or big whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have people, they have a boss and a boss that's above that boss. And they are, t- my, under- my, my dealings with all the marketing reps I have is they're really kind of hand tied with underwriting too. They, it's not like they can call an underwriter up and say, mm-hmm. Hey, write this piece of business. I know you don't want to, but I want you to write it. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then third, th- the last job that I think any of us in this room, because we are sales oriented would want is an underwriter position because it is more of a, you know, here's our rules. Here's our regulations. We we can't tell you the meetings that we have behind the scenes with our head of underwriting. Who's telling us this, that, or the other, but just know we cannot write that account. I tell you what I would like to do. If anybody listening to this has a really, 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 really good, has the agent's back underwriter yeah and they don't work for a company that would limit their ability to come on a podcast mm-hmm. i would love to interview them but the problem with that is bradley and we talked about the circle of in, uh, cycle of insurance with bill cochran right we had a very yep. good good podcast with him last time we were in studio if you're in that growth mode they're all agent they're all yeah. you know pom-poms and cheerleaders for agents if they're in that underwriting hard mm-hmm. market side they're all like, nah, that well, doesn't have sprinklers in it. We can't ride it. For me, for me though, I think of agent, agent centric underwriter, and and it and it is part of the underwriter's job to mm-hmm. hold the agent accountable and sort of, you know, have that balance. Mm-hmm. But at least hear us out. You right. know what I hate? Right. You know, we had a restaurant recently that we were trying to write, and because they didn't have sprinklers, they they wouldn't they wouldn't write the account. And I I basically presented my case as to why right. I think. Despite the fact that this building is not sprinklered, we should consider writing it, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even listen to it. Right. Like at least if you can hear me, it's kind of like dealing with a difficult customer. Right. You know, we all deal with difficult customers that we can't help. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do to make this situation rectified, but the fact that we as agents sit back and hear them out, right, it helps a little bit. And so yeah. that's what I like from my underwriters is just just hear me out and just. Mm-hmm. Take my point in, and and even if the answer still no, at least we talked about it. Yeah, right. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Josh, you have any thoughts on that? Hey, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think one of the things that really helped me helps me a lot even today is I know how the sausage is made. So, I mean, a lot of times I'll ask, I'll say, "Hey, can I have the rating worksheet?" Mm. Um, and then I'll be able to check out. Uh, I didn't you know, think like about that. I bet you, you are freaking deadly when you got something you want to write. <laughs> And you have to talk to underwriters. How many times do you ever say, how many times, Josh, be honest with us, do you ever tell your underwriter, hey, you know, I underwrote for five five years for so-and-so company? Yeah, is that so, something you tell them or yeah, is that I'm, something I'm, you don't tell I'm them? I'm one of your boys, you know. I mean, I used to be an underwriter. I, I know I know, you know, the pressure you have. Well, it's definitely something that, that I'll use when I need to use <laughs> it with an underwriter. I mean, no, no doubt about that. But, I mean, I think what they really appreciate, and and this goes into my – my whole plan of success in, in the industry is we're an industry that, in my personal opinion, doesn't really value education that much. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, we value sales a lot. And, and trust me, I, I value sales as much as anybody. I mean, 
we were talking about before the show started. I mean, I'm getting the keys to my brand new house today. Look, I value sales. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a small neighborhood with a hundred acre lake. I mean, I'm, you know, I value sales. Okay. But I think by the same token, I think when you can talk to an underwriter and you, and you can say, you know, what is your credit on the group two rates? And most underwriters, they look at me and they say, I've never heard an agent use the term group two rates before. Mm. Right. I'm going to start saying that even yeah. though I don't even know what it means. Know what yeah. It is. yeah, me too. <laughs> but, but the point is, is I think they go, wait a minute. Okay. So now th this guy, it sounds like he knows, he knows what he's talking about. And, and even, even, even things related to auto insurance and talking about, you know, a ACV versus, versus doing some, some stated amounts and, and how those factors affect the auto rates. And that's, that's hugely important in the, in the current market that we're in. And I can have those different conversations with those underwriters. And then we can, we can work on the rate in an intelligent way, not like, mm. Hey, I'm going to beat you over the head with this club and give, give me my damn rate. Right. It's not, that's not the way that I'm doing this is I'm speaking intelligently about it. And what I tell everybody that's ever asked me about how do you become successful in the insurance business? And if you want to write middle market commercial insurance, and that's the space that I'm in, I tell them that you need to go do three things. You need to go buy yourself a copy of the commercialized manual and mm. you need to read it. You need to go buy yourself a copy of the additional insured book and you need to read it. And you need to go buy yourself a copy of the scopes manual and the rules of work comp and you need to read it. And that's it. Like there's nothing else that's secret about this business. If you go read those three books and you have about, you know, an inch of drive and the ability to pick up the phone and call somebody that you don't know, like you're going to sell more of this stuff than you can count. And I feel like we get so lost in technology and this, I mean, and I'm not saying we don't have technology when COVID happened. I mean, we have a great IT vendor that we use, we, everybody went home and plugged their phones in and all this, that, and the other, and it worked perfectly. And, you know, we're on applied Epic and we have, it's hooked up to Salesforce and we use Pardot and we have a lot of stuff like that, that we're into, but by the same token, I mean, it's just knowing and understanding the rules. It's just like the tax code. And, and I feel like if more insurance people would, would spend their time reading the commercial lines manual, than they do focusing on the newest piece of technology that they can add to their tech stack, they would sell way more insurance. Preach, brother. And and I mean, th that's just me. So I, hey, you know, hey, I'll, I got, I'll get off that soapbox. No, no, no. I got two things to ask you. One, one's a comment and the other two are, well, two are a comment. One, one's a question. Number one question that every insurance agent listening to this minus about five of them are going to ask me, what is a group two rate? Well, so you have fire rates, right? And you, you have your group one rates, and that's going to include uh, a couple of your basic perils, right? Right. And then the group two rates is going to be everything else. Gotcha. And so property rates are built on group one rates, group two rates. And you never, you're never going to see that unless you see the, the rating worksheet. Is the group one so, rate more of a preferred risk or a more of a non-preferred risk? No, so it's all combined. Okay. It's all, it's all basically like, you know how you have a product liability rate and you have a premises rate Correct. and then that, that gets your total rate. So you have a group one rate, group two rate is put together. And then that's your prop. That's your whole property rate. Okay. But it's just different things. So it's just different things. So, so here's my, my next comment is directed to Bradley. Your next white paper needs to be 
10 phrases that you can fool an underwriter into believing you know what you're talking about and then have like you know like a, a it's just definition so it's like group 2 group mm-hmm. 1 and group 2 rates what mm-hmm. you know so and then give an example of what you can I'm, say to yeah. the underwriter and go hey you know while we're talking about this risk I know it's not something you really want but can you send me over the the, the group 2 rate chart that you used to to you know look at this thing and they'll go wow this guy knows what he's talking about I've never had anybody do that before I kind of equate it to if you've ever sold insurance to an ex insurance agent. Correct. It's Correct. always a completely different conversation. Oh, and they're dead. And, they and know, they're going to show deadly. you that they know, or at yeah. least they oh, think yeah. they know, or even actually, what's even worse than that is selling insurance to an adjuster. Right, right. That's because where we are, there's a company here locally that does catastrophe adjusting. And there's certain states that you don't have to be a licensed adjuster right. to catastrophe adjust. So they have. Probably thousands of people that work for him. It, yeah, it's like I'm going to yeah. tell you how to do your job, but right, right. Yeah, you know, and and I've learned that as we've sort of started dipping our toe a little bit in some of this middle market stuff, that it's all about how you frame it up to the underwriter. You know, we had a risk this week or last week um, that we're gonna we're gonna write on Friday. That's a a decent sized service contractor, mm-hmm. which as you know, Josh, and, and everybody listening to this is is our boy David Carruthers' bread and butter. And uh, I was trying to move the comp over to this this carrier, and the mod was way out of whack and was about to be even more out of whack. And they basically they gave me an indication, and the indication was really, really good. But the underwriter basically said all these things that kind of alluded to me, like, hey, I'm going to send this to my supervisor, but like this is probably going to be a decline. And I got on the phone with David, and and he ran some of his little magic reports for me and basically told me how to frame the email up to the underwriter that told her all of the things we're going to do when we go in there. And she immediately sends back, says, all right, approved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So it's all about how how you tell the story. Right. Hey, Josh, I had a a small market underwriter the other day. I had had an account, and the clients wanted their coverage on just, you know, uh, Basic perils coverage, uh, you know, they didn't feel like the replacement cost estimator was way over what they needed to get back. And uh, I call, I called my small market underwriter with a carrier, and I start talking about functional replacement cost versus replacement cost. And she said, well, hell, I don't know what functional replacement cost is. Let me go look that really? up. And I thought, damn, baby, how long have you been working in insurance? Like three weeks, four weeks? What are we doing? What are, what are we doing here? Well, I don't know. I don't know if we have an option for functional replacement cost. I mean, she knew what it was, but she didn't know whether that particular carrier even offered as an option functional replacement cost. But the last thing I wanted to say, and this is more of a statement to you, Josh, and a testimony to you and who you are as a person. And what I was going to say is I've been hard full court pressing on the disc profile lately and talking a lot about that on the podcast. My bet is that if I had you take a DISC profile, your theoretical, which is your willingness to learn, and this is based off of everything you've just said, plus the biography that I read about you talking about being a certified insurance counselor, a certified work comp advisor, you're going to be somebody that is going to be off the charts in theoretical, which that leads to product knowledge. It leads to underwriter knowledge it leads to uh, competitor knowledge of the, your competitors and what they're doing and if you have a sales orientation which you do as far as a personality goes that's a deadly combination 
because, you know, the more you learn, and you talked about reading the commercial lines manual, the scopes manual, and all that, you know, most agents aren't willing to read it. I, I bet you there's 70%, maybe not that high, 50% of insurance agents that are listening to this right now that have never read a commercial general liability and property policy front to back ever in their that. whole career. I bet it's more than that. You think? Yeah, I think so. I, I bet you there are agents who've never read one front to back. I'm talking about all the way through exclusions, terrorism endorsement, all of it. So let's talk about plan of success because when you said my plan of success to Scott Howell, that perked my ears up and I thought, wait a minute, these agents listening to this right now need to know what Josh Gurley's plan of success is. Can you break that down into a plan of success for dummies for people like me that have the brain of a small teenage squirrel? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think like what you say a lot of times on the podcast and I'm, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's, it's basically, it's about your action, right? Yeah. It's about what it's about what you do. And Andy Stanley has a great, he's got a lot of great one-liners and you know, Andy says it's, it's your direction, not your intention that determines your destination. And that's another way of saying what you say, you know, every week on the podcast. And it's really about what you do and it's about how you behave because I mean, I have taken a disc assessment and for whatever it's worth, director is off the charts for me. That's what I am is a, is a, is a director. I'm always like director one relationship type person two. Um, those are kind of my, you know, the way that I, I operate, but I think it's all about what you do. And just in my, my life, I've had, I've just tried to develop a system of doing all the things that are important to me. And I feel like if I do the stuff that's important to me in my life, then my business just follows all that. Mm. Right. I try to be active, um, physically when I, when I listen to you guys podcast, which is every Saturday morning. It's, uh, it's when I'm at the gym right? and I try to spend several days a week exercising. Um, I try to spend the weekends with my family. I try to put work down on Saturday and Sunday. I don't really think it's productive for people that say they work 80 hours or hundred hours a week or whatever. I mean, Hey, that's great for you, but I'll get up as early as it takes during the week. But on the weekend, you know, Ashley, James, Kellyanne, that's what I'm doing. I don't, have any other really hobbies outside of that outside of spending time with them take your wife on a date every now and then come on guys if you're a male listening take date your wife <laughs> i mean that's the only way to keep it that's the only way to keep it going yeah so i mean all, all those kind of things to me are the things that are like the foundation i hope everybody has some kind of system of faith i mean there's thousands of people listening i mean i hope people have a faith system in their life i mean i i, I believe in that it's made all the difference for me and my family. And then let's just start right there. Let's just start with those things and get and get those things nailed down. And then, you know, outside of that, I mean, I think it's just being very competent at what you do, coming across as a person that's not intimidated by anybody. Mm -hmm. And I was talking, you know, we're trying to hire another uh, account manager in the from an agency much larger than our agency. And you're going to get sued. And I, I was, I was, I was talking to her and I said, I said, look, you know, your agency doesn't intimidate me at all. I, I was like, I, I'm not saying that out of, out of an arrogant way. I'm just saying that because, you know, I feel like 
I'm competent enough in what I'm doing that it, it, it just doesn't intimidate me. So I would say that your knowledge base. And then it's just, you just got to be a bulldog and go get the accounts that you want. Like don't talk about going and getting accounts. Don't talk about mm-hmm. strategies and plans and all this, that, and the other, you know, pick up the phone that's sitting on your desk and dial some numbers mm. and go call the people that you want to meet 30 calls a day and go. Yeah. And then, and then go do a great job for those people do what you say you're going to do. And dude, you'll make more money than you can count in this business. I mean, this is not rocket science. Right. I mean, it is, it is not. Okay. And let, let, let's stop. <laughs> let's stop right there though. Okay. Cause I got a bunch of young, young bucks right now listening to you. Okay. They're hanging on every word <laughs> you're saying. I'm serious. Anybody can say, talk all the shit they want. This is the largest podcast in the insurance industry. I don't give a damn what anybody says. I got the numbers to back it up. But with that being said, we've got a lot of year one, year two, hey, I'm about to get in the insurance business people that listen to this podcast. So when you started and you got your mind right for those two years that you were getting your mind right to get back in the game as an agency owner and an agent, what advice would you give these young bucks that are just getting in it that don't have the knowledge that you and I have and Bradley has that can be all the world difference once you gain all that knowledge. And I've always told people this, Josh, the day that you're going to know you've made it in the industry for most people, is it about the end of year two for everybody I've ever mm-hmm. talked to? They said, you know, when I got into it, I didn't know shit from shampoo for in- about insurance. But at the year of uh, the the end of year two, I looked up one day and I was like, "I got this. I can do this. I, I I know what I feel confident now. I know what I'm doing." But what what advice would you give these young bucks that are getting in it and they don't have just the experience and the time in service and the knowledge and they haven't read the commercial lines manual and all this other stuff? What advice would you give those people? I would tell them to read the commercial lines manual for sure. <laughs> um, I, I mean. I, I, I would tell them that, but, but no, I mean, look, I got this, I didn't, I've been in more detail on this and other podcasts that, that or stuff that I've done or talked about, but you know, my dad passed away in 2014. It was a really hard time for me and my, you know, my family. And if you were looking at my office right now, you'd see all kinds of stuff that used to sit in his office. Mm. And there's this thing on the wall. It's got these hot air balloons and it, and it just says, you know, no matter how impossible it all may seem, Never underestimate the power of a dream. And look, that's kind of hokey or whatever, but that's from like, and, it, and this thing was, it looks like it was an original painting back in 19, 1993 that he got from somebody. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, look, if you have a dream and you have something that, that you want to achieve, then go bigger than you think you need to go. go. Go bigger than you think you need to go. And you can always do more than you think that you can do. Mm. And I wholeheartedly believe that because when I was in the insurance agency business before, the biggest problem that I had was that I had people telling me that what I wanted to do was not going to work, that I wanted to be a commercial insurance producer, middle market business. And they told me, you got to build that personal lines base. You got to build that personal lines base. And I was terrible at personal lines. Then I'm terrible at personal lines now. I don't have a single personalized account in my, in my entire book of business. 
And if there are people out there that are 100% personal lines, they're, they're listening to this and they're being successful at it, I say, you know what, double down, do it, do your thing. We're all in this ocean together. There's plenty of business. I'm just telling you for me, I know how to do middle market commercial insurance. It doesn't mean that it's more sexy or it's better or anything like that than what other people do. It's just like the way that I'm wired up and the way that my brain works, that's how I operate. Mm. I don't like small business because it comes with its own set of challenges. I like more sophisticated buyers because I believe those are the kind of people that I connect with the most. But that would be my advice. I mean, read the books, read what you need, read the stuff that you need to learn, and then go bigger than you think you you, you can. Well, and it's kind of like the whole captive versus independent thing. You know, I'll have people call me and they'll right. say, well, you know, I see on Facebook that everybody in these groups say you need to go independent or you need to, like, no, 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 no. You need to find out what works for you. Right. What complements your personality. Because and, and I'm going to tell you, you, enjoy, and what you I'm, enjoy. I'm going to tell you, this stuff that we do, it ain't for everybody. No. And the stuff that my wife does at a captive agency, right. it ain't for everybody. I would last about eight minutes. Yep. You trust me, you would. And so I've, it, se- I've seen your disc profile. <laughs> if that, maybe five <laughs> before they called you it, and they it, were like, uh, "You got you you got to go." So actually, you know what? On that story, <laughs> you know what? So when I was hired at Alpha, yeah. The first thing they do after your first interview right. is they give you a personality test. I don't think it's the disc, but it's one of those. Right. I had to take it twice. <laughs> you didn't pass because it the first I didn't time. pass it the first time. I've never told that uh, to anybody. They, they he like, was like, we like you, but you're going to take this again because we can't. Well, hire he you. actually he actually reached out and was like, "Hey, uh, do you have another email address you can register for this again?" So they put me back in as a new candidate because I didn't. Meet the, that you know, was, anyway. That, that was your first sign without knowing it was yeah. your first sign. But, but you just, and, and back to like what Josh is saying, like with the kind of business you write, you have to find what works for you and what fits your personality. And like that may change over time. Yeah. Oh, hey, and one more thing, Josh. Here's great news for you. You want your Christmas present. March 22nd, which I believe was either yesterday or the day before, Amazon comes out with this press release that they're about to start writing business insurance. With Next Insurance. Yeah, with Next Insurance. Guess what? Amazon won't be writing middle market accounts because the more more complex you get up on that ladder, there ain't no damn way you can sell what, you know, the niche you have or the niche I have on Amazon. You might be able to get a painting contractor's general liability done on there, but you're not going to. There's no way. I don't see any way that they'll ever take away middle market commercial. If they do, it'll be a long time before they can figure that out. Yeah. Well, and let me say this. I mean, there was a state farm agent in my town. I, I wish I could call the guy's name right now, but he uh, he had 10,000 cars insured in Warner Robins. Mickey Willis, that was his name. Mickey Willis had 10,000 cars insured Shout in Warner out to Mickey. Wildly successful. And that's the thing, man. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're a captive agent, a independent agent i mean look do do whatever it is that that works for you my grandpa used to say that all work is honorable and that's that's the way that i look at it it doesn't matter how your agency's built up as long as you're out there working hard i mean it's it's all honorable hey Um, hey last thing i want to talk about before we let you go today and you know hour flies by in a hurry especially especially doing this man it's been so long since we've done it i know you were ripped man i just i I just punched him and he didn't even move no it's it's i've been on you know why I've got this pot belly besides the fact I eat too much? I have not been off steroids since I took I caught COVID. 
I started doing steroids then. Then I've had a couple other health problems, and they're like, we need to put you on steroid. So I've been on a continuous steroid. Like a, like a Kellogg or something like that? Uh, I don't know what it is. One's a pre- prednisone, maybe? Prednisone. Something like that. Anyway. But my Pre- life. Prednisone will mess you up. In the, it'll make you overly emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I cry every night when I watch Sports Center. Anyway. Well, you must be a Falcons fan. No, I, I, one question I had for you today <laughs> before I get to my last question on insurance. Are, Bra- are the Braves going to be any good this year? I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see how the Braves do. I don't. I, I don't know. Are, are you a Braves fan? I am, and I was impressed last year that they did as well as they did because I was not at the you know spring training. I was not uh, optimistic, but I thought they had a better, lot better season than I thought they would last year. You kind of have to be a Braves fan if you live yeah. in Alabama because there's really no baseball team. Yeah. Now I'll tell you this: this is an odd anomaly. When I was growing up in the '80s and '90s. Most people in Alabama, if you were in South Alabama down here where Bradley was, you had a lot of you had a lot of Saints fans. Yeah. But in North Alabama, everybody was a Falcons fan. Well now, since the Tennessee Titans have come along, you have a ton of people that have changed allegiances and my wife Derek and I Henry probably helped with that a little bit. A lot, yeah. But my wife and I watched the Titans every weekend. They were fun to watch mm-hmm. last year, just watching Derrick Henry mow people over. Saints fans are so annoying in South yeah. Alabama because all years that Alabama, the college football team, does really well mm-hmm. are years you don't hear a lot of Saints hoopla. Right. The years that Alabama does not do well is when you hear the Saints hoopla. Yeah. And all it friggin' is are these Alabama fans. Yeah who their entire existence depends upon Alabama doing good. Yeah, right. And all they're doing is they're channeling that energy over to the Saints, right? which is hilarious come playoff time because the Saints haven't won a Super Bowl in a, in a good while. Yeah, it's been, it's been And so it's so funny to see them get all – but it, it's yeah. so annoying. I know this has no premise on the podcast, but I just felt like getting that off oh, my chest. Oh, you need it's to. Been on there sometimes, sometimes you need so, to. Therapy's um, a good thing. It is, yeah. So, last question. We're not going to get into your specific niche today, but let's talk to these agents because I've talked till I'm blue in the face and nobody listens to anything I say. How important it is to get your niche in commercial if that's your jam and you're not, you know, home and auto personal lines. But if you're in commercial, and I got a new agent starting with me in about two months that I'm going to try to find a niche for in commercial because I know he, he can sell commercial insurance. Uh, how important it is it for these agents to, to, once they get into commercial and they start out as more of a generalist and they're writing the main street stuff, finding that niche so that one day they can build a new house on a private lake and live the lifestyle that they want to live one day? Sure. So I, I think it's the, one of the most important things that you can do is find something that you're really good at, something that you're interested in. There's definitely a specific formula for it. I mean, I think that a lot of what we do is based around email marketing. Like I said, we use we use Pardot, which is tied to Salesforce. And that's really the engine that runs the whole thing because, I mean, I've shared some of the emails with, with Bradley before, um, just getting his feedback on it. But you know, we send out a lot of those emails and then we lead score those people. And we know off of a list of 5,000 people who are the top 10, mm-hmm. who are the top 20. And we can see, like, who's the biggest mover, right? Mm-hmm. Who's moving up the most? Who's number one or who's number 5,000? Well, this one was number 
2,900 last week and they're number 682 this week. Mm. Well, they may be worth a call. And so a lot of that intelligence is going into it. And, and that's why I'm saying, I said earlier, I mean, we use technology, but, but we still are, are, are calling these people and, and reaching out to them. So I think that's one of the most important things that you can do is just determine something that you can get a list on that you can market to that has a trade association, get involved, you know, learn how to get free content published because that's so easy to do. You can get free advertising just by giving them content. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we have content in multiple magazines every month and people reach out from those. And then obviously we go get the people we want, but let me, let me say one more thing. I know that's the last question. I, I wanted to tell this story. I wrote it down on my notebook that I wanted to tell this story. So I'll tell this and I, and, and I'll be, I'll be done. But I got an email that said that at my son's school, he goes to a small little Christian school and, you know, they were looking for sponsors for field day. And if you're brand new in the industry and just hear me on this, don't worry about your house, your car, anything like that. Just think about field day. Okay. So my son, this thing comes out and says, we need a sponsor for field day. I called up my, my two business partners. Uh, Cause you know, we check in with each other and make sure before we go spend money that everybody's cool. I called, I said, look, I want to sponsor this thing. If the agency will pay half, I'll pay half personally. Are y'all okay with that? They said, sure. I sponsored field day. All right. Number one, I have the financial ability to sponsor field day. Mm. Number two, my kid is going to get to see his daddy's company on his t-shirt mm. at field day. Mm. Uh, number three, I'm going to field day and I don't have to ask anybody if I'm, if I'm going to field day. And then number four, I'm supporting something that I believe in that's given back to my kids. And I can't think of any other industry, and maybe there are, but I'm just telling you, that's what this industry has done for me. It's given me the ability to sponsor my kids field day. And my wife, you know, takes our kids to school every single day. I don't have to worry who's taking them, who's picking them up. I mean, the, the business has just been so good to me. And I'm so thankful for the opportunities I've had. And getting to know you guys over the past year has been awesome for me and all the other people that I've gotten to know. I'm extremely humbled and grateful uh, to be a part of this. So, look, sponsor your kids field day. That's that's my message for people. So, I talked about <laughs> this about two months ago. Whether you want to save the whales in Australia, leave a million dollars to your church, to the school that you – you know, that you went to, whatever it may be, whatever passion you have. And it can be something as small as field day at your son's school, and you gave a lot of good reasons to do that. You've got to have money and make money to be able to make that change. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can still volunteer your time, but if you really want to make a change and you want to donate $100 million like, Jeff Bezos did to something. I can't remember what cause it was not long ago. The, the, that, you make some change with $100 million, right? But you got to make money to do that. And in insurance sales, the formula for making money is not rocket science. It's about relationships. We talked about that before the show. Talked about it during the show today. And it's about making that those phone calls that you know you got to make every day, building relationships, product knowledge, learning the business itself. And I think going back to my question to you, Josh, about how you know how these young bucks can get out there and get started. I'm just going to be a hundred percent honest with everybody right now. 
I am no different than anybody listening to this podcast. And when I started in insurance, there is a period of time where you got to fake it till you make it. And for a lot of people, that's hard to do because they fall into this, this mental trap of, oh, you know, I can't talk to them. I don't really understand everything. But that, it, it, when you start, unless, you know, you've been working for your dad's agency for 10 years or doing, you know, something to get your knowledge. And for you, Josh, a lot of that probably came in college. I mean, with what you majored in, in insurance, it probably wasn't as much of that fake it till you make it because you had four years of, you know, studying insurance. Most people don't have that. In fact, I very rarely do I ever talk to anybody that has a degree in insurance. Well, the, the way you? you the way you win a negotiation in every sale, every sale is a negotiation of some sort to some degree right. is by having the most information. Right. That's and right. I, I love your point, and it actually kind of spoke to me a little bit in that you not being intimidated with the bigger agency. Mm-hmm. It's because you have the most knowledge and the most data yeah. with what you're competing against and what you're talking about. And you know, we've run into situations like that as we are starting to write bigger and bigger stuff with yep. some some older established agencies here and even been in some situations similar to the one you were talking about, Josh. And um, that's such a good point, I think, for agents to take out of this is just make sure you're the most prepared person in the room. Yeah, no you know? doubt. Hey, hey, I can't leave without you promoting my boy, uh, my brother from another mother, Mr. Uh, David Carruthers, for a second. You're in Killing Commercial, correct, Josh? You are. In- I am, yep, yep. Tell our audience a little bit about Protege and what you guys are doing with that. And 100% yes or no here, has Killing Commercial done a lot for you in terms of being a better insurance agent? Yeah, so my my relationship with David Carruthers goes back about literally about a year. And, uh, you know, we we ended up meeting, talking about work comp. And I was looking for um, just just somebody to kind of be my cheerleader and help me uh, you know, take myself to the next level because I, I don't believe I'm tapped out yet. I believe I'm just getting started. I think our agency's just getting started. And David was a guy that was still in the game. He's still selling insurance. Um, he's just a great human being. He's become one of my very best friends. I mean, we talked yesterday for an hour. He was driving down the road. He called me and we were just talking about our family and uh, his trip to Key West he just took and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it's just been really good to have um, regular encouragement from somebody to to keep me accountable for doing all the things that, that I know how to do. Mm. Um, I, I work with him for different reasons and other people. I mean, I think a, a lot of other people really want to learn the work comp and kind of understand the sales game. I've been doing that for a while, but the main reason is just, he's just been so helpful for me as a, as a friend and a, and a mentor. And uh, you know, that's been awesome. And then, you know, really the first time I met Bradley was on the protege, you know, we really connected on that and, and talk quite a bit now. And, uh, it's been an awesome relationship. Hopefully one of our people's going to win because whoever ends up winning the protege is going to get to come into killing commercial. Hopefully it's going to be one of our guys. I think they're, I think they're both pretty strong. We'll see. I don't, I have no indication of who the winner is going to be, but I definitely think one, if not, I mean, definitely one, but probably two of our, our people are going to be finalists, yeah. I think. We've got Jason Webb and Justin Sloan. So you guys you guys listen to this. We may have some announcements around the protege coming closer to time. I think finale is in September. But keep up with those two guys. Fr- fr- do me a favor. Everybody listen to this. Friend Jason Webb and Justin Sloan on Facebook right now. We'll, and then we'll take it from there. Josh, 
We love you. We appreciate you. Anything you need from one of us, let us know. It's one thing I love about David Carruthers. You join Killing Commercial, you befriend David Carruthers. If you need something, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody get some stuff to you as fast as David Carruthers will get it to you. David Carruthers, you pick a phone. I don't give a damn what it is. He's one of those guys, you know, and there have been times I've called him and said, hey, man, I need some help with this. And literally, before I can get off the phone with him, he'll say, hey, I just sent it to you. It's on your email. Am I right or wrong? You're, you're, you're correct. And, and just correct. for that alone, that that relationship with somebody that's at the top of his game and is selling a lot of insurance is mm-hmm. priceless, really. Yeah. But, Josh, thank you for being on. I'm going to close this thing out. Guys, there are five things – Five things that you cannot change. I'm going, to list, I'm going to list them out for you. There's five things you cannot change in your life. Number one, you cannot change your legal age. Now, you can lie about how old you are, but you cannot change your legal age. You cannot change time. Time cannot be changed. And as we've been on this podcast right now, we just lost one hour of our life. You can't t- change time. You cannot change the past. That's why they make the rearview mirror a whole lot smaller than they do the windshield. You cannot change other people until they are ready to be changed. Don't care what the situation is. When they finally eat enough shit, they will change. But until then, they are not going to change. And last but not least, you cannot change the weather. Five things you cannot change. But let me tell you what the great news is for you people. Let me tell you what you can change. You can go read the commercial manual. You can go read an insurance policy. You can go make 35 calls a day. You can go do all the things that we talk about every day on this podcast to be a better insurance agent. You can change a lot of that if you so choose. You can go go, go read the scopes manual. You You can change your situation in life from where you are today to make it better. And you can go make money for your wife. For your kids, college fund, for your husband, for your parents that are out there struggling right now. You can go write good business for the companies that you represent, and you can go write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Josh. Hey, Josh Gurley. Thanks, guys. Come see us. I, I, if, I get over we'll to, if I get over to you, I'm going to come see you. I, I'd love to come visit with you one day. Please do, anytime. And uh, call me. Email, whatever. All right, brother. Hey, hang in there. We'll talk to you soon. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We are live in studio, and I am ready to bust through this wall like the damn Kool-Aid man. We love each and every one of you. We will see you back here next week, and thank you so much for being a part of our family. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.